Come on, say in Jesus' name. Come on, sing it again because we believe that God still delivers. We speak that word. Name. In Jesus' name, I take dominion over drugs. I take dominion over the spirit of addiction right now, Lord. Hallelujah, liberate and loose. Jesus from the mountain. you believe that God can and will. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, mighty God. Thank you, mighty God. Amen, amen. Several weeks ago, Late in the night, I was praying over someone suffering from addiction over the phone. And I felt the Holy Ghost over the phone as I was praying for them. God, loose them from those chains of addiction right now. Liberate them. Received a phone call yesterday. I hadn't thought much more about it. Received a phone call yesterday from that individual saying, Pastor, I want to tell you, God broke some chains in that prayer. God broke some chains in that prayer. I... I've not picked it back up. I've not done it again. I've not. I believe that God breaks the chains of addiction. Amen. I believe it. It's the reason that we are here. It's we believe that God does things that no one else can do. Amen. I believe in every program that aids, benefits, helps move someone in the right direction but ultimately I will tell you it takes the power of Almighty God to transform somebody to make them new Amen Luke chapter 18 thank you brother Austin for dual responsibilities this morning as much of our team is traveling and uh, so thank you very much God blessed me with it. a wonderful, wonderful son-in-law, and I'm so blessed. Amen. I thank God for that. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8. I want to take just a moment to say, Brother Brandon, where are you at? There you are. Brother Brandon, over the past week or two weeks, man, don't it feel a whole lot better in here this morning than it last Sunday morning? <laughs> Amen. 
Brother Brandon has been putting a lot of hours. I think Brother David has also been helping him uh, and um, improving and working on our AC units. Brother Brandon, thank you so much, my friend. Amen. He's done that on his own dime and put his own time and energy and effort in it. And I want to say thank you, my brother. Amen. So much for that. I also want to say if you've not driven by our church um, after dark in the past several days, you will also notice after many, many, many hours, um, Brother Zach was able to get all the permits completed and our sign uh, rewired and electricity is now illuminating our sign. It looks great. Amen. After dark now. And so, Brother Zach, thank you. He worked with the city and the permits and all of that. I needed to be saved, so I stayed out of that. Man, I, I barely made it this far working with this, the municipalities and building uh, a couple of churches. And I, I said, thank you, Brother Zach. Now I can be saved. Amen. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8, I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless... When the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth? Shall he find faith on the earth? It's a question, not a declaration. Much of what we read in the Bible is a declaration. We can count on it. We can bank on it. We can with assurity build our lives around it. But this is a question that only we can answer. Shall he find faith on the earth? Will he find what he's looking for in me today? Today. I want to minister to you just for a few minutes this morning on this subject. The one thing you can't afford to lose. The one thing you can't afford to lose let's pray today god we thank you for your presence thank you for what we feel in this house today thank you for the faith that i feel here i pray that you would lift someone's faith strengthen someone through the word of god this morning lord let someone leave challenged and encouraged lord let their faith be elevated in the house of the lord today in jesus name we pray Tell your neighbor before you're seated, there's one thing you can't afford to lose. Here's a hint. It's not your job. It's not your job. Some of you may want to lose it. I've been trying to lose it. I'm probably not the only one that feels this way. You've heard me say this before, but it's so true. I wish I had a dollar for every time I said, has anybody seen my glasses? It's, it's so funny. Right now, now I've got a pair of glasses right here. If you, if you get like me, you end up buying two and three pairs of everything because you can't keep, you can't keep uh, one at all times and so you have to buy two or three pair of glasses you got to buy multiple keys and so even as i'm preaching right now there is a pair of my glasses floating around this church somewhere it has been for several weeks i have no idea where they're at but i got a second pair i wish i had a dollar for every time that I... has anyone seen my glasses what about keys there's probably people right now that have lost your keys this week has anyone seen my keys 
Uh, several years ago, the kids got me one of those things that you attach to your keys, and then you keep this little button, and it alerts you wherever your keys are at. I lost the button. <laughs> and so I, I need a button to help me find the button that helps me find my keys. Wallet. No, man, this drives my kids crazy, and I'm, I'm notorious for it. I, I leave my wallet laying around everywhere, and um, there's nothing in it for anybody to take, so I'm not really that much worried about it. Uh, but then I'll leave the house and realize I don't have my wallet. Phone. Phone is another one. I'm always constantly leaving my phone around. I'm, and so I, I know that with us having to take so much, it's like nowadays you leave and you have your keys and your phone and your wallet and your Bible and your breath mints and your water. And, and it's like just like it's a suitcase every time I go to church. And it's like no way I can remember everything. And so it's, inc- it's incredible how much... Uh, I think about me, how many times in my life I have walked around my house accusing my family, including the dogs, of hiding my keys and my wallet and my phone. And what'd y'all do with my keys? What'd you do with my wallet? And uh, I'm reminded several years ago, I warned Zane I was going to tell this story. You know, when you're the pastor's kid, you end up being the object lesson for every service. When Zane was really small, I actually got a video. I tried to find it this morning. I couldn't find it, but I got it somewhere on one of those phones that I've lost. <laughs> he was a little bitty guy, and he was just learning how to swim, and so he had his little arm waders on, and he's running around this little pool, and, um, and I'm videoing him, and he's, that was my goggles. And I'm like, son, I don't know where your goggles are at. You took my goggles. No, I didn't. And his goggles are sitting right on his head the entire time we're having this conversation. And then he runs around and he accuses his sister. You guys took my goggles, didn't you? No, we don't have your goggles. And he's running like random strangers accusing people. Hey, you took my goggles. And he's accosting everybody at the pool, accusing everybody at the pool. I mean, he's ready to bring up charges and call in the cops. And the whole time that he's doing it, I'm videoing. I'm just dying laughing because his goggles are perched right there on his head. I had someone the other day said, I think I'm losing my mind. Some days I feel like that. I thought it was me, but people are losing stuff. (laughs) People are losing stuff. They're losing their glasses, their wallets, their marbles, their phones. People are losing stuff. But I want to tell you something. You can lose your keys and your wallet and your glasses and your job and your car and your house, but there is one thing that you cannot afford to lose, and that is your faith. You cannot afford to let your faith go missing. Your faith cannot go MIA. Your faith cannot go absent on you. At times of sickness in my life, I need to make sure I know where my faith is at. At times of trouble in my home, I need to know where my faith is located. At times when I lose my job, I need to know where my faith is at. When my car is broke down, I need to know where my faith is at. When bills aren't getting paid, when things aren't looking good, I need to know where my faith is at. There's one thing I cannot afford to lose, and that's my faith in God. Luke chapter 18 and verse 8 says, Nevertheless, when the Son of Man cometh, shall he find faith on the earth. Now understand that God did not lose his faith. He gives it to you and me. 
He didn't lose it. When he comes, he's not looking for his lost faith. He wants to know where your faith is at. He's not looking because he's misplaced his faith. He's coming to say, hey, do you know where your faith is at? Right? Do you know where your faith in God is at? Because you can lose everything else in your life. You can lose all your money, your job, everything else can fall apart. But honey, you cannot afford to lose your faith in God. He said, the Son of Man cometh, and he's asking not where's your money, not where your house is, not where your monetary gains are at. I need to know, he said, where your faith is at. Understand your faith in God is central to you moving forward in your life. If your faith is stagnant and neutral, so is your life. It's unmoving. It's not growing. It's not progressing. You may be in church. You may call yourself a Christian. But I want to tell you today, if your faith is not evident, it's not vibrant, if you don't know where it's at, if it's somewhere floating out there on circumstances, I want to tell you, you are not growing. You are stagnant and neutral. In order for you to grow from where you are at today to where God wants you at tomorrow, you've got to be able to know what your faith rests in. If your faith is in retreat, so is your life. You may say, I just got a promotion. Things are going good in my life. But if your faith is in retreat, whether you know it or not, your life is in retreat. If there is one gauge on the Christianity dashboard that you cannot afford to take your eyes off of, that is your level of faith. You need to know where your faith is at. You run out of faith, you're stranded. You're stranded. Many years ago, as I was evangelizing, crisscrossing the country, there was a couple of times where I would go into New Mexico in the Arizona desert. And out there, there is not a sheets gas station on every corner. In fact, there's hardly any gas stations at all. And I'm the kind of person that I wait until I hear the bell ringing, and then the bell stops ringing, and then the light goes on, and then when the light blows out, then I may stop and get gas. If I can somehow time it right where it putters and putters and I can roll into the gas station, that's optimal. But out there, you cannot afford to wait until the light comes on or the bell starts ringing because you may not see another gas station for 40 or 50 or 60 miles. And so out there, you better keep your eye on the gas gauge at all times. If it gets below half a tank, you better start finding the gas station. Can I tell you that in 2023, you may have been able to 10 years ago coast in your relationship with God and, and you may have been able to get by by, by going a, a little longer without praying or a, a little longer without going to church and your faith level may have been able to, to get a little lower than normal. But I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but we are in a, in, in a desert, in a place of high immorality. We are under attack by an adversary and you cannot afford to allow your faith to go low. You cannot afford for your faith in God to dip or deplete. When you see any kind of recess, if you see yourself backing up in any way, you need to immediately respond. You need to get back into the altar and fill up. You need to get back into the Word of God and fill back up because you are in a desert place. We are coming to the closing of what God is going to do on this earth. And the enemy is accelerating his attack and you got to make sure you know where your face at. Yeah. 
Where's your faith at? Because you're driving in a desert. This morning, just for a few minutes, I want to remove some of the mysticism and the mystery of faith. We often talk about faith in such vague and general terms, I often think we may not even really understand it. Therefore, if we don't understand it, we don't know how much of it we do or do not have. Mark 4 and 40 says, no faith. Matthew 6 and 30 says, little faith. Matthew 8 and 10 says, great faith. And so there is the possibility of you falling into one of those three categories. No faith, little faith, or great faith. If I asked you this morning, which of those three categories would you fall in? No faith, little faith, great faith. Which would you, which would you say you were at? Clearly, the Bible lets us know that there are different levels of faith. What to do when we are low on faith? How do we attack that? How do we address that? How do we get more? Jude 20 tells us, But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. One of the ways that you can pull into the gas station and fill your faith up is pray until you pray in the Holy Ghost. That is not just muttering something. That's not just going through the motions. That's not just playing patty cake with Jesus and saying the same ten words that you say every time you kneel down and pray. That is praying until you get lost in the Holy Ghost. That is praying until you speak in tongues. That is praying until you get lost in the Spirit. And when that happens, it builds up your most holy faith. So with it being abundantly clear how necessary faith is, there are three simple but vital things you need to know about your faith. I don't want to overwhelm you this morning. I know it's Sunday morning. I don't want to give you more than three. It's Faith 101, Faith Starter Kit, whatever you want to call it. Three simple things about your faith. Now obviously, this is not directed to those that are so advanced in their faith that they never get discouraged. I'm sure at some point we will attain that great level of spiritual status that you are at. Uh, until that time, we will muddle around down here like everyone else and continue to being the very best that we can be. To the person who never gets tempted or never go through a storm, congratulations, we've not obtained that great status yet. We still struggle sometimes with our faith. For the rest of us, three things regarding our faith that you absolutely need to know. Number one, you need to know where to put your faith. You need to know where to put your faith. Your confidence. Your assurance. When I say you need to know where to put your faith, I'm saying where you put your confidence at. Where do you put your assurance at? Psalms chapter 20 and verse 7 distinguishes the difference. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. 
There were a lot of people. They put trust in what they put in the bank. They put their confidence in them clocking in on Monday morning and what they are able to buy or obtain or gather with their own intellect or their own talent or their own ability. But we don't trust in horses. We don't trust in chariots. We don't trust in the stock market. We don't trust in the banker down the street. We have learned that we will remember the name of the Lord our God. The first thing you need to know is your confidence needs to be in God. Your confidence needs to be in the great physician. Your confidence needs to be in the provider of mankind. Like a spiritual faith broker today, I strongly admonish you to invest that measure of faith that the Bible says everyone has. Invest that in God. The return is out of this world. You can invest your time, and it's amazing to me what people will throw their time, money, and energy at with no gain at all will just throw their time away as if they got all the time in the world as if like time is not measured and, and time is going to be there for, forever. But we know that time is running out and we are not guaranteed tomorrow. Life is a vapor that can be here like a vapor that rises from the sidewalk on a hot day. You, it may be here a moment and then it's gone. Why would you waste your time chasing after things of the world? Why would you chase after things that are of no gain and no eternal benefit? I want to tell you, put your confidence, put your assurance, put your time, put your energy into the things of God. The secret to the Christian joy lies in where their faith is not as much as it is where it is. The secret to Christian joy is what my confidence rests in. My faith is not in my job. <laughs> Thank God for it. Thank God for it. But my faith is not in my job. My faith is not in my health. It's not in my doctor, not in my lawyer, not in my president. Come on, somebody. My faith is in Almighty God. And the Christian joy lies in the fact that I don't, I can't control what happens in my health. I can't control my job. I may get fired tomorrow. I may get cancer tomorrow. I don't know what's going on on the political spectrum. I can't do anything but vote. But at the end of the day, what I know I can do is put my trust in a God that's never let me down, that's never walked away from me, that's never failed me. I can put my trust and hope in God. My faith is in Him. How does that benefit you? Is that you can go into your job tomorrow not afraid you're going to lose your job because God is the one who pays my bills. God is the one who takes care of me. I don't have to walk into the doctor's office full of fear and anxiety, afraid of what he's going to tell me because my health and my life rest in Almighty God. So the question is today, is there anything in your life that if you lost it, your faith would go out with it? 
The Son of Man said, I'm coming to look for your faith. Where is your faith? If your spouse decided they're going to quit serving God today, would you stop serving God? Because if the answer to that is yes, your faith is in your spouse, not in God. If your children decided, I don't want to serve God anymore. What if you showed up on a Sunday morning and I'm not here? Don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in another man. Don't put your faith in anything else. Put your faith in God. My faith is in God. I'm going to show up Sunday morning and worship the God that I believe in, that my confidence is in, that my assurance is in. I pray to God that if I show up on a Sunday morning and none of you are here, I would sing, I would dance, I would preach, I'd turn around and go to the altar because my faith is in God. Don't put a price tag on your faith. You might find out that somebody out there is willing to pay it. The enemy is trying to find out where is your faith. And wherever your faith is in, he'll try to take it. He'll try to steal it. But if your faith is in God, he can't take that. There are many people, it becomes very self-evident where their faith is at. They're serving God right up until the time they lose their job. Come on, somebody. And then I don't see them anymore. There's a lot of people that have faith in their position in the church. They lose their position in the church and they're gone. But I also see people that their faith is in God and no matter what they go through, no matter what they endure, no matter what trial that they are facing, no matter what valley they walk through, they just keep on marching. They just keep on walking. Why? Because a long time ago, they took their faith and they put it in the hands of God. He is the one that takes care of me. He is the one who protects me. He is the one that I am following. I have mentors, I have faith leaders, I have people I have great respect for. My pastor, I love him dearly. But if my pastor woke up tomorrow and decided he wasn't going to serve God anymore, I'm not cashing it in for him. I'm not throwing the towel in because he is. Because my faith and my confidence is the one that hung on the tree. He's the only one that deserves my confidence and my assurance. There are so many people that walk away from God. I've, I've talked to backsliders and they pastor. I, I realized it later. I realized and it was so evident to me that my faith was not in God. It was in this. And when then this was not there anymore, I lost it. Where is your faith today? If you put your faith in God, it's in a safe place. You need to make up in your mind, there ain't anything that I could lose that would cause me to walk away from God. I know that's very easy to say, but you better come to grips with the fact you may lose something right now that you hold dear. You may lose something you thought you would never lose. You may lose something you never thought you'd be without. But when you come to understand that my faith is in God and he is the only one that is immovable, he changes not. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's the only one that truly deserves my faith. When you've got that kind of faith, you can stay up all night praying or you can stay up all night worrying. People that don't have that kind of faith, 
They put their faith in schools and teachers and politicians, but you put your faith in God. And you can have the kind of peace that the Bible says surpasses understanding. <laughs> you can mutter all the way back from the mailbox with a fistful of bills, or you can put your trust in God. You can place your trust in some doctor or some physician, or you can put your faith and trust in God. You can pace a hole in the floor of the hospital and waiting room by putting your trust in someone else, or you can peacefully approach a diagnosis knowing that my life is in the hands of not the surgeon, not the nurse, not the hospital, but in the giver of life. My faith is in him. So the first thing you need to know about your faith is that it belongs to God. It belongs to God. The second thing I want you to know about your faith is that it must be vocalized. Vocalized. A silent faith is a weak faith. Matthew 17 and 20, And Jesus said unto him, Because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have a grain, a faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall, what does the next word say? Say! Oh, it's not on the screen. Say! God forbid we don't have the screen. We had to open our Bible. My Lord. Speaking of lost things, do you know where your Bible's at? And Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say. Someone say, same. It's a vocalized faith. You say into this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You don't stand at the bottom of that mountain just shaking your head in unbelief. You don't stand at the bottom of that mountain with a silent faith. You say unto that mountain, you vocalize your faith, mountain be ye removed creation teaches us from creation we understand the power of the spoken word you know you're made in the image of God and like any other family member there are certain characteristics that and you've heard me say this but it's so true the older that I get and my kids started getting older, it was funny to me how much they were like me in ways that I had forgot about I was. I see things that they do and I'm like, man, mm, that is me, Lord. <laughs> and I grew out of that, but they hadn't grown out of that yet. They have characteristics like their father and you are made in the image of God and there are certain things that you are made in the image of God. And one of those things is you have the ability to vocalize your faith and to speak your faith and to declare things that are in God's Word. I don't declare my own ability. I don't stand on my own talent. But I can open up my mouth and vocalize faith in a God that says, I'll be there for you. I'll stand beside you. And so I vocalize the words of God. I echo his words. 
Creation teaches us the power of the spoken word. For the Bible says God spoke the world into existence. Somewhere in some time, the black silence was shattered by the thundering sound waves of the voice box of God when he said, let there be. Let there be. And there must come a time in your life when you no longer sit in silence about your situation. You no longer sit there and pout. You no longer sit there and worry about it. But you lift up your voice audibly and you lift up your voice unashamedly and you say, God, I declare that you're going to do a work in my life. I declare deliverance. I declare healing. I declare victory. I declare the power of of God to intervene without hesitation without reservation you as a child of God need to lift your voice and say let there be let there be victory in my battle let there be light in my night let there be song in my storm let there be healing in my body let there be deliverance from sin let there be Luke chapter 7 and verse 7 says, Wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, <laughs> and my servant shall be healed. For I also am a man set under authority, having under me soldiers, and I say unto one, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth that. Notice what verse 9 says. When Jesus saw, no. When Jesus perceived, when Jesus heard. <laughs> he knew what that man was going to say before it came out of his mouth. He could read the very thoughts of that man. He could read that man's mind like a book. But it wasn't until that man opened up his mouth and declared, God, I believe that you can speak it right now. And it'll happen way over there. And when Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him and turned him about and said to people that followed him, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Great faith is a vocalized faith. It's a faith that says I'm not ashamed to declare it. I'm not ashamed to speak it. I'm not ashamed to walk onto my job and declare that I belong to God. You got a faith that nobody knows about? You ain't got faith. Right? You a bandwagon fan. When God's winning on your side and everything's going, man, you're all about God. That ain't faith. You're a fan. Faith says, I believe God when it ain't going my way. I believe God when things are not turning out like I thought them to turn out. I still believe God. I still trust God. It so impacted my life when the doctor turned to my mother and said, you got 30 days to live. And the rest of the family was in shambles. My mom looked right at me and said, I still trust God. I'm going to tell you, that shook me to my core. It made me realize, hey, her faith has never been in the doctors. Her faith has never been in treatments. Her faith has never been in some medicine book. Her faith has always been, and it will continue to be in God. And the Bible says, where your treasure is, 
there will your heart be also. When you put your faith in God, there is coming a day when you and your faith will have a reunion. When you and your faith will meet again. I put my faith in God. I put my trust in God. I put my hope in Him. And one day, I'll be rejoined to Him. You want Jesus to respond to your situation? Let him not just perceive your faith. Let him hear your faith. What does the Bible say? Ask, and it shall be. Oh, but he knows what I'm thinking. If you ain't got enough faith to open up your mouth and vocalize it, I'm going to question how much faith you got. Mm. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. What separated the eternal destination of the thieves on the cross was what was coming out of their mouth. One was mocking, asking, This day thou shalt be with me in paradise. One was mocking. One said, God, I vocalized my faith. That would have been very easy for the thief on the cross to say, Well, God knows what's in my heart. Right? There ain't a hole out there if you can't get it out of your mouth. If your faith is in your heart, it should come out of your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaking. When you believe and have faith in God, you can't shut up about it. You can't be silent about it. You can't turn that off. When you're overflowing with confidence and assurance and trust in God, everybody's going to know about it. The last thing you need to know about your faith is it must be mobilized. It must be mobilized. True faith is acting on the knowledge of God's power, not the demonstration of God's power. I mentioned bandwagon fans. Everybody knows. Yeah, bandwagon fans are those people that, man, as soon as your team starts winning... Boy, wearing the T-shirt. Hey, waving the flag. He's like, bro, where were you at six months ago? True faith is acting on the knowledge of God's power. Not on the demonstration of God's power. Anybody can demonstrate their faith and mobilize their faith in a testimony. This is what God did. Woo, thank God. This is what he performed. This was the healing. This was the end result. This was the final chapter. Thank God for that. But you know what? True faith is not acting on the demonstration of God's power, but on the knowledge of what God can do. He hasn't done it yet, but I know that he can. <laughs> faith is a substance of things hoped for. The knowledge of what he can. The knowledge of who he is. The knowledge of what he's able to do. It is a faith. is the substance of things hoped for. Not the evidence of things you've seen. It's what I know he can do. Not anything I have necessarily seen. When you have faith that is only proclaiming something that's evident. All you are is acknowledging what is obvious. Woo! Look what God did. Thank you, Sherlock. Where were you at six months ago? Woo, and I believe God, thank God, praise God for everything that he does. Yeah. Yeah. But true faith was six months earlier. Yeah. 
a praying grandmother said, I believe that six months from now we're going to be bad. We're going to be baptizing them. We're going to see them get the Holy Ghost. I believe six months from now we're going to see God do a great work. I believe the next time that we see them, their lives are going to be forever changed. Faith is in the knowledge of what God can do, not just in something He's already done. Some people are more aptly described as fear mongers and worry warts until they get their answer from God and then they want to be put in the hall of faith. Right? I mean, oh, pastor, I don't know what to do. I'm so worried. I'm so upset. I'm so concerned. As soon as God does it, I knew it. 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 (laughs) I ain't going to call you out on it, but I am going to look at you funny. True faith says it may go my way or it may not go my way. I still have faith in God. This is a principle that I I live by and I believe. There is nobody that believes anymore that God is a healer than me. I've seen it. I was at North American Youth Congress last week. I saw a lady get up out of a wheelchair and walk away. I've seen it too many times. God is a healer. God is a healer. Someone say amen. But it is a whole lot easier to have faith in God as a healer than have faith in the God of sovereignty. A faith in the sovereignty of God says he may not do it, but I have faith in him anyway. I may die with this disease, but that doesn't mean I'm going to trust or believe or have faith in God any less. The three Hebrew children said, if he does, great. If he don't, that's all right too. We still believe that he's the God. We still believe that we are going to put our faith and trust in him. Honey, I want to tell you something. True faith is a mobilized faith. A faith that says, hey, I trust in God if it works out great. If it don't, it doesn't mean that I don't believe or trust or have faith in him anymore or any less. He's a sovereign God. He is in control. His thoughts, his ways are above my ways. He knows more than me. He's aware of more than I'm aware of. He sees things I don't see. And so if it don't work out, I'm going to trust him. The very definition of faith, the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. No evidence, no good news, no good reports, nothing working out, but I still got faith in him. True faith is what people see. It looks like it's good news. It looks like it's a good report. It looks like it's working out just by what they see. That's true faith. (laughs) What you see outwardly is my faith in God, not necessarily all the evidence that I'm thanking God for. My actions are not motivated, motivated by what's really happening. My, my actions are triggered by the knowledge that I know my God is in control. Preacher, you mean when things are going bad, act like they're going great? That seems like you're faking. No, I'm faithing it. I'm not faking it. I'm faithing it. I absolutely believe that even when things are going bad, they're going bad because that must be God's plan. And I may think they're going bad, but I don't see everything. I don't see what's really happening. You ever seen an artist that's drawing something or painting something? And you're like, ooh, boy, I don't know what he's doing. That's a mess right there. I don't, boy, I'm telling you what, that right there don't look like anything. I could do better than that. boy. And I, I think I'll just take the paintbrush from his hand because anybody can do that. And then as you sit there, you're like, oh, 
oh, now I, oh, wow. Woo, oh, yeah, yeah. You're the master and I'm not. Sometimes we do that with God. It ain't working out. I don't think God knows what he's doing. Maybe I should take the paintbrush from his hand. Maybe I should try to do this on my own. Maybe I should try to work it out on my own. But can I tell you today, if you put your faith and your hope and your patience with God, eventually things will work out for the good. Not everything will work out good. The Bible says together. The accumulation of all things. The all things together. Now it may be in heaven when I look back over everything that I seen and heard and experienced in my life and say that was not good, that was not good, that season of my life. Do you believe it's possible for someone to have an entire life that wasn't necessarily good but serve God and go to heaven and look back saying, you know, it all worked out because I made it to heaven. There are seasons of your life. God didn't promise you every season to be wonderful. God didn't promise you that every day was going to be like you wanted. He said all things will work together. The accumulation, the combination of things will work together. My grandfather used to say, you can take the ingredients of your favorite cake. My favorite cake is that chocolate cake that Sister Dwight makes. I mean, it's like, man, I just like, I feel the Holy Ghost when she's just down on the counter. It's just like... It's like manna right out of the ark. It's just emanating. But if I was to take all the ingredients that Sister Dwight makes that chocolate cake with and lay them out on a counter and I taste each one of them, not all of them are going to be good. (laughs) That's not great. Let me taste this ingredient over here. Well, that's not my favorite. But when she puts them all together and puts them in that oven, what comes out is good. Not every season of your life is going to be desirable. Not every season of your life is going to work out like you want it to work out. Not everything you go through is something you're going to enjoy. But I promise you, if you don't lose faith, if you will continue to trust God and continue to walk with Him, it may take days, months, or years. But when it is all said and done, I promise you, you'll be able to say, it is good. God was in control. God knew what He was doing. God had all things worked out from the beginning. I don't check the spiritual weather port to find out if it's going to rain. If God says it's going to rain, get your umbrella. My faith is in Him. I know the world thinks it's crazy when they see us whistling in the storm. I know they think we've lost our mind when they see us lay down and go to sleep when it seems like our whole life is blowing off the foundation, but they have their faith in everything else. Horses and chariots, our faith is in God. (laughs) And the only thing I need to know when I lay down at night, is God still alive? He's alive, I'm going to sleep. Is God in control? Absolutely, I'm going to sleep. I don't need to be in control as long as he's in control. I don't need to have my hands on the wheel and worry about it and stress about it, have anxiety over it. If God is in control, then I don't need to do any of that. My faith is in him. I'm challenged. By a verse of scripture in John chapter 2 and verse 24. And this is the crux of so many people's dilemma. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them. Because he knew all men. Verse 25. And needed not that any should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. Jesus did not commit to them because they had not committed to him. 
You want God to operate and move in your life? You want God to intervene? If your faith is not completely and totally in Him, He cannot commit that to you. It's very clear in this scripture that Jesus did not commit to them because they had not committed to Him. Maybe what's standing between you and your miracle, maybe what's standing between you and what you've been praying for for so long is that apprehension, that cautiousness, that trying to figure it out and work it out on your own. When you abandon that, when you totally and completely commit to Him, you then give Him the green light to totally commit to you. But when your faith is temperamental and your faith is contingent upon how things look right now, your faith is cyclical, seasonal, unpredictable, can I tell you today, God cannot commit to you he said, I'm looking for faith. Faith is steadfast. Faith is sold out. Faith is completely committed to God. God, I, I believe wholeheartedly. I, I, I put my trust in you completely. Even when I have to make decisions that are tough, I've known great men and women that would look their boss man in the eye and say, I'm going to tell you something right now. If I've got to miss every Sunday to work, I'll find another job. Now, the world don't understand that. You know why? Because their faith is in their job. But my faith is in God. And when I completely commit to Him and say, God, I'm going all in. I'm selling out wholeheartedly and completely. I hold nothing back. So many people come to God and they only give Him a fraction. Here's, here's a little bit, God. I'm going to sneak up to the altar and just kind of see how this goes. I'm just, just kind of get in on the shallow end of the pool. Just kind of find out how things... He could not commit to them because they had not committed to Him. I've used this illustration before. Stand with me. Several years ago, I bungee jumped. I'll never do it again. I've got kids and a church and responsibilities, but back then, I thought I was immortal. Young, never going to die. And I remember standing on that ledge and had that bungee cord strapped to my back. And they walked you out on a little platform. And it was $75, which is like $7,500 right now. I didn't think I had $75 in my bank account. And I got up there, stood out on that ledge. <laughs> and the man said, you got 60 seconds to step off that ledge after 60 seconds you got to come back and you don't get your money back and the reason they would do that is people would go out there and 
stand around for 15 minutes trying to build the nerve up and then change their mind and want their money back. He's like, we ain't got time for that. <laughs> this is a business. And so as I'm getting ready, I knew if I go out there and think about it too much, I may talk myself out of this. What are we <laughs> and so they said, all right, you ready? And they said, just walk out there on that ledge and then when you're ready, just jump off. He opened the little gate, Brother Shaw went. Because I knew if I approached it cautiously, I knew if I sat around and thought about it, if I tried to get in on the shallow end of the pool, I'd probably lose $75. And I wasn't worth $75. So many people approach God the same way. They don't commit to Him completely. Well, I'll go to church this Sunday and see what happens. I'll start doing a little better. I'll stop doing this, but I'm not going to commit wholly. When you don't commit to Him, He can't commit to you. But when you sell out and put your faith wholeheartedly and completely in Him, you then enable the hands of God to begin working in your life. The best thing you can do with your relationship with God is just to jump off in the deep end. I'm going to do everything that I know I need to do. I'm going to stop doing everything that I know is not right. I'm going to sell out completely to God. Heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. You don't get the option of getting 50% of God working in your life. He doesn't operate like that. Either God is leading you or He's not in the picture at all. Either God is in the driver's seat or He's not in the car at all. And the only way to make absolutely sure that God is directing your life. The Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. A good man has already sold out and is completely invested in his relationship with God. And because he has committed that to God, God can then order his every footstep. Can you imagine being so sold out to God every step you take, God tells you which direction to go? Before everything I do, God tells me what to go and where to, where to go and what to say because I'm sold out completely to Him. There are some here this morning that are listening to me preach. And you have not completely committed to God. You like the idea of being a Christian. You like the idea of being blessed and three kids and white picket fence, good job, without all of the turmoil of sin and all of the aggravation of iniquity. But you've convinced yourself that you can do that and only partially commit to God. It don't happen. It don't happen. Before God can commit to you, you got to commit to Him. Wholly, completely, without reservation, without holding back anything. Even saints of God that I am preaching to this morning that are struggling, that are going through difficult times in their life, 
Listen to pastor when I tell you, for many of you, it's because you have not completely committed to God. You're still holding back. You're still in reservation. But when you commit to God with everything within you, God can then begin working in your life. They're going to begin to sing, and I'm going to open up these altars to people that say, God, I want to commit to you wholly, completely. I don't hold anything back. Without reservation, God, without hesitation, I'm not going to let my flesh talk me out of it. I'm not going to let the enemy talk me out of it. I'm going to completely, 100% sell out to you. If you feel that way this morning, make your faith actionable and movable. Respond to God and say, I sell completely out to you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Better right now. I give you all my fears. I lay them right here. Come on, that's it. I lay them down. Lifting your hands is an act of surrender. I don't hold on to anything. I lift my hands with open hands. I'm not holding on to anything. I put my trust in you. I put my faith in you. It's all for your glory. See, I put If you've been worrying about it, you've been concerned about it, can I tell you to put your faith in Him right now? To trust in Him. God is in control. Reach over and pray for someone next to you right now. I want you to pray this prayer. God, lift their faith. Come on, pray that prayer. Lift their faith today, God. Lift their faith today, God.